situation so you just got a new dog just got a puppy so tell me about that I and mean, what kind of puppy is it he is a boston terrier his name is manzo facciata wow. isola which wow. means uh, beef flat-faced island <laughs> uh yeah we you know new york dog situation we've been thinking about it for years yeah finally jumped in and he's fantastic um but when we got him, he looked like a little steak, little <laughs> little like cube of meat. So, Hence the name. Yeah. Yeah. Means. Do the kids uh, get along with him? Yeah, I've got one son. Hmm. He is. They're war- he's really warming up okay. to him. He can, you know, puppies can be a little a little nippy. They like yeah. to to bite and nibble a little bit. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so that my kid has is a little gun shy, but he's still coming around. How, how old is the kid? Seven. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's uh that's an interesting age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. is that was that first grade? Second. Wow. Second grade. And how's that experience going? Like, and I guess post pandemic. Post pandemic is fantastic. You yeah. know, uh, like so many young people, not yeah. just uh, you know kids who are in grammar school and the like, yeah. but he developed a very strong attachment to to me and to his mom wow. um you know and really uh there was no opportunity to get out and see friends and hang out and do the stuff you're supposed to do and yeah. get the socialization that you're supposed to be getting so uh you know we became his his playmates his best friends yeah. his chefs his everything and yeah. so now we are really trying to uh with just unconditional love and tons of hugs kick yeah. him out the door. And he's more than happy to uh, let us know that. I mean, he's sort of seven going on 13, <laughs> starting already to see a little bit. You're starting in those, that generation. A little bit. He's, he's testing it out. He's okay. sort of, uh, you know, he sees something on TV, from, you know, some cartoon or something, yeah. or his friends are trying a little something out, sort of pushing the boundaries. And so he's already... Gently, but yeah. starting to throw some elbows here and there in a nice. good way. No, in a good way. It's good. <laughs> okay, it's okay, good. okay. It's like uh, you want them a little, little feral. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> as long as you still keep him in the house, I think we're all good. So then, when I think about um, when I think about your career, I mean, to kind of talk to talk about that. It's kind of interesting because I think one of the challenges for um, so many actors is longevity, but then also doing work that you respect and that you like, right? Not just kind of taking the gig for the dough, but actually taking it for the experience and the result and who you're working with and all the collaboration aspects that go along with that. It's kind of interesting because I definitely see a lot of a lot of different work, um, you know, both on stage, television, film, and also uh, you have that web series, which is an incredible mommy blogger, which I love. So when I when you think about that, was it kind of the plan all along to kind of, I guess, challenge the media in which you work by not being confined to just the stage or just film, but kind of having an exploration of all these different mediums that kind of navigate your, you know, your film and, and I guess television theater experiences. Really interesting question. Uh, uh, you know, initially I just, when I got out of grad school, yeah. I just wanted to work. I just wanted to make money doing what I had invested a lot of time yeah. and energy and uh, and money into learning how to do. Mm-hmm. So when I finally got the opportunity, I just wanted to get jobs. So um, you know, and I wanted to build something. Yeah. That you know, after a, a, a little while and working with a team, you know, then you start to see sort of how you'd like to shape your career, and. And you start to learn pretty quickly, uh, based on however you develop taste, your taste, mm-hmm. what it is you want to say no to. Um, and you know, in in this particular industry, there are few uh, words that are more powerful than yeah. no, yeah. Or no thanks, yeah. you know. Um, and a a well placed no, which should in my experience, but I think for anyone really ought to come from 
uh, a real desire to uh, to move into something that interests you, brings yeah. you joy, excites you, yeah. can really sort of create these little mini quantum leaps just in terms of what becomes available to you. And, mm. You know, I mean, I I am in so many ways a journeyman actor, and yeah, uh, and I I so grateful for that and I frankly love that about yeah. my career um, but you know I, I've taken uh, pains to develop uh, an aesthetic mm. taste yeah. and try and move toward those projects whenever they come up what do you don't what do you not say no to I mean what what is a script like let's say your agent gives you a script I mean what's what's the distinction between saying yes to something versus no I think if... Is it about character? Is it about story? I mean, those things for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I really gravitate towards uh, towards just art in yeah. general that, that really uh, risks failure. Hmm. That has a real chance of going down in a big ball of flames. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, I, I also teach in the grad program at yeah. NYU, and um, what I teach there is very much about that and um, sort of the demystification and befriending of failure, and and sort of approaching every uh, challenge, whether it goes well or does not, or it goes how you intended it to go, right, right. with a. Uh, with a very large smile on your face and a big, uh, you're welcome at the end of it, regardless of the wreckage that people may be wading through, you know, watching yeah. you do this. Thing. But that comes, that comes later, right? I mean, through all the, through having those experiences and also the hindsight to see that you're able to, you know, pick yourself up over, you know, with your bootstraps. I mean, are, are the students receptive to that or do they, is that something that's hard for them to understand at this point? Um, some, you, I mean, you, it's a muscle, mm. uh, in my experience. So I think you're spot on. It's something that develops over time. You develop an awareness of that. You develop an interest in that, uh, and you allow that to excite you, to bring you some joy. Yeah. So you want to move toward it, and that that itself is a muscle. And then developing the discernment to know when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of failure. Yeah. And then uh, again, developing. The other muscle, which involves taking a very deep breath and finding a way to uh, enjoy it, yeah, you know, enjoy, like I say, going down in a ball of flames. There yeah. are a few things I, I love when a show is going beautifully well, but I also really <laughs> love, yeah. I love it when a house hates yeah. us, yeah. when they just don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, really? You yeah. don't want to be here? Great. Let's, I'm going to cram this down your throats. Yeah, in exactly. Most, yeah. And, you know, and it's all, it's coming from, um, it should be anyway, and I try to keep it in this sphere, but uh, coming from a, a real place of... Um, Authenticity. Yeah, and generosity too. I'm very grateful that people show up at all. But, um, you know, if you didn't know what you signed up for, yeah. I'm excited to, to show you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that's interesting, and that's also probably tied to... Um, you know, not taking things and saying no, because I guess if you say yes to something that you believe in, even if the audience doesn't buy it or it doesn't work on a certain night, it's still something that you're going to stand behind. And you're going to, whether it goes up in flames or not, you're still going to try to carry it to the best of your ability, right? I mean, that's, that's I guess, being passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. That does make you uh, somewhat bulletproof in yeah. that regard, just in terms of uh, your own experience of the thing. Yeah. And I, you know, yeah, I just, uh, if, if an audience is not enjoying what I and the rest of the people involved in the project have built, yeah. that's, uh, I, that's, I have no problem with that. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, but as long as I'm having a good time, yeah, not to be selfish about yeah. it, but yeah, and also I, you know, how how in God's name are they going to enjoy themselves if I'm not? Right. So, uh, so I always try to sort of make that a bit of a, a north star for myself. Well, when did that when did that muscle sort of develop? I mean, where did you grow up? 
That's a really good question. So I grew up in Pasadena, California. Mm. Um, nice. It's lovely. It is. Um, it. <laughs> Uh, when I was growing up there, and I haven't been back for a little while, but it was not a diverse community oh, wow. uh, where I grew up. And that it was, frankly, rather... Homogenous? Uh, uh, well, yes. And uh, I, I won't necessarily say consciously segregated, but there were absolute uh, linear delineations in mm. terms of you know the, the area itself wow. about where, where people lived. And, um, Near Glendale? I was yeah. Glendale's about fifteen minutes away. Yeah, yeah. Do, have you do you hang out in Glendale or live there? Uh, uh, some family in LA. Uh-huh. Like I go once in a while, and we usually don't stay in LA. I stay in Pasadena or oh, yeah. Irvine or somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably know better than I do no, at this no, point, because no, no, no. um, I really haven't been back for a while. But yeah, it's all right. It's not too bad. I went a few years ago. I mean, I had a good time, but mm-hmm. I mostly kind of spent time in LA. I guess Pasadena. It's almost going through like a. Um, like a Bushwick, Williamsburg is sort of really? thing. Yeah, where you see like a lot more coffee shops and like people in beards and stuff, which is all right. I mean, yeah. I don't mind that stuff. I don't find that surprising. But yeah. it's funny because it used to be this sort of, you know, this kind of old money town mm. that uh, there was a lot of uh, old money from the East Coast that made its way out there. Oh, wow. And then... Um, and then uh, a lot of uh, people who didn't have access to that. Um, so, you know, uh, noticing that growing up um, was, um, you know, eye-opening. And my family, my stepfather was actually mayor of Pasadena. No way. Uh, yeah, and he was a, a progressive uh politician mm. and uh, progressive person and as was my mom and so I grew up in a house that um, you know tried to um, uh, embrace and forward agendas that uh, were about equality and, yeah. and diversity and diversity but it wasn't easy so yeah. I was really excited to get back east um, so I knew when I decided when I went off to college I knew I, I didn't want to go did you uh, did you have siblings? I have tons of steps and halves. I've oh, got yeah. three stepsisters, two stepbrothers, and a half brother. But only child by only biology. child by biology. Oh, yeah. that's you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was that experience? I mean, lots uh, of thinking and pondering about yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, and lots of you know. It's funny because I have one kid now, yeah. and particularly given COVID and what I do, I have free time when he has free time frequently. Mm. If I'm doing a show at night and I'm just running, I I can hang out with him during the day or pick him up at school or whatever, you know, and play with him. And to be very frank, I'm pretty good at playing. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. Um, So we have a great time. And my parents loved the hell out of me, but we didn't play. play. There wasn't a, a... that was not something that we engaged in, you know. Um, yeah. So, uh, where were we headed? No, just uh, where you were kind of growing up. So you were the mayor's son. You're the only child by biology, but then you have all these half and step siblings. Yeah. You're thinking uh, in your room a lot. Are you seeing? Are you getting exposed to films and television and stuff? Like, when does that seed get planted? So there's a, a, a college out there called uh, Occidental, yeah, and uh, they had a, a theater program out there. And I we, applied to Occidental. You did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did as well. Yeah. Um, and we'd go see everything there, and it was this is 70s and 80s, and it was um, you know sort of um, standard fare, but but great and completely set my hair and head on fire. I just, In what way, exactly? Well, I just thought that looked like so much fun. Mm. And I was doing plays at school and stuff like that. And then, you know, I, I had a teacher in high school, mm. uh, Tina Cocomelli, shout out, uh, who said, you know, you, you could do this yeah. if you wanted to. People actually do this. And my parents... Uh, including my father and stepmother who were still living, always said, look, get out there. If you break your back, work hard. You can do anything you want to. Yeah. And I've always, I bought it then. I still still buy it pretty much. And um, 
So I'd see these shows and think, I, that looks like a blast. Why don't we give that a shot? And yeah. then this teacher said, yeah, why don't you? And then I picked a, a, a university that had a program that was sort of this two-year conservatory model program inside mm -hmm. the major. And so I went to school specifically for that and then went on to grad school and stuff like that. But um, So this, this Tina, I mean, she was your mentor, would you say? She was. She was like... A, <laughs> um, she was. She's actually now, I have not been in touch with her since she's been back here, but she is now a producer here in New York. Oh, wow. uh, a recent career change for her over the past uh, three to five years, something like that. you got to get in touch with her, man. I, I have yeah. to. I really do. Yeah. Um, Tina, I'll give you a call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a very simple moment. And she just pulled me aside and said, uh, you, you know, you can do this. People are, you are allowed to do this too. In whatever the umbrella was, under that umbrella, of the, all the things that you imagine might be possible for your life, you should include this as one of those things and see if, if uh, it kind of pulls you somewhere. Yeah. And it did. Did you have pressure at all to be in politics, like your like your uh, father? No, I was. I mean, our family is very politically active, yeah. and um, you know, uh, politics were always discussed and uh, very political household. But I mean, I, I was uh, very interested in, uh, particularly in undergrad and high school, in um, affecting change. Mm. Um, and, but I never considered a career in politics, yeah. but, uh, I started to see early that, uh, theater specifically could impact people in a way that, um, was, uh, lasting. Mm -hmm. And that was very exciting to see that. So and have theater, theater was the first medium that you wanted to kind of delve into. Yeah. I mean, right. were, there, were there like, um, aside from, you know, Tina, I mean, were, and also, you know, her believing in you, I mean, were, were there plays that you'd seen? Were there actors that you kind of admired that you wanted to maybe follow in the footsteps of at that time? Well, so you get to high school and then I start uh, developing, uh, you know, going to coffee houses and being sort of that obnoxious uh <laughs> Kids sipping, you know, yeah. cappuccinos and talking about whatever Proust and yeah. Kerouac and stuff. Oh wow! Um, well, you know, I mean, but you like the beats and stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but then also getting into into films and figuring out what I liked. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my older sisters um, lived in New York at the time when I was in LA, yeah. and she has and had impeccable taste. So she would sort of tap this or that film right. and say you got to go see it uh, and I would and so I started to develop to develop a, an aesthetic what were, some, what were some of those films that she tapped with mm -hmm. Nolan Dye oh wow yeah she I remember 87 she mm. said see this movie do not miss this movie and uh, I don't know if you know the film but I don't think so no. it's a film about two actors in the 60s mm -hmm. road trip film yeah Richard E. Grant, Paul McGann. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. Richard E. Grant is, they're both just glorious, but just absolutely sick in the film. <laughs> but Richard E. Grant is so brilliant and so moving. And, you know, I, I watched that, and um, I was a kid. I was a very, very good boy growing up. Okay. Like, my halo burned very bright, yeah. was polished very, very well. Yeah. So I was always looking for permission slips uh, wherever I could find them to sort of help me uh, release any obligation toward that. You know, the, uh, I, had a, I, I had a legitimately great childhood, mm -hmm. but there was chaos in the house, mm -hmm. which for a lot of folks who wind up in this field, that's not uncommon. Yeah. So not to say that it's cliche, but I, I did sort of, I, I would develop first through humor, um, you know, cracking jokes yeah. and, and getting into trouble for it at school and that kind of thing, uh, while still being a you know very good student and a very, very good boy and a good soldier and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I, I started to develop a real desire to find ways uh, to break out of that. 
which as a kid was uh, scary, <laughs> but thankfully I had people like my sister, who I don't even know if she knew she was doing this, but would point me in a direction here or there. And so this film, With Nolan and I, is about two actors, and this uh, actor, Richard E. Grant, yeah. is, he has, he's very outsized in the film, he's big, mm-hmm. and, but it's completely filled, and he just has this outsized sense of truth throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And I didn't know that you could do that I didn't know that that was allowed and then I just looked for anything that was like (laughs) you didn't know if that was allowed you needed permission for that yeah Yeah. I really did Uh, I mean I can get into this we can go deeper into it if you want yeah let's get deeper into it All right, but uh, so then the Coen brothers showed up you know what about them I mean well I actually saw Raising Arizona before I saw their first film Blood Simple yeah and it was, you know, I, I know some folks feel that uh, sometimes that they're, when they choose a setting, they mm-hmm. have a tendency sometimes to um, uh, maybe poke a little fun at the, at the, at the setting itself or the, the inhabitants yeah. in it. Right. But this is, you know, 1980, whatever it was, yeah. 86, and I... It was the funniest damn thing I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Nicolas Cage was yeah. out of his goddamn mind. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. I went, I don't know how many times. And then I went, I saw it maybe three times in theaters. Then I went on an exchange program to Costa Rica for like four months. I saw it like four times there. Yeah. I brought everybody, you know, my exchange family. I'm like, I, I need you to see this movie. Yeah. They're like, it's fine. But I was, how can you not see how odd and wondrous and uh, and heartbreaking this yeah. movie is, you know. He based his character off of uh, Woody, Whip- Wood- Woody, Woody Woodpecker. Woody yeah. yeah, that's why yeah. he has the tattoo yeah, exactly, in yeah. the film, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you know, Holly Hunter is just, yeah. and John Goodman, yeah. you know, it's just, a, it, that film blew me away, and then I saw Blood Simple, and yeah. Miller's Crossing, yeah. and, you know. Fargo. Fargo, yeah. you know, these, these movies that uh, they just they gave themselves permission to uh, to let the world be what they wanted it to be, mm. um, and that was so exciting yeah. for me to to see. Um, so then I get to I get to undergrad and at Duke, right? At Duke, yeah. and uh, there's this teacher Bob Hobbs, and great teacher, yeah. and uh, but he. You know, he it, he couldn't crack me. Um, I was uh, couldn't crack you anymore. I was I was. You had a strong exterior. So obligated to hanging on. Mm. Um, I was so obligated. You know what it was? I was. Uh, I felt so obligated to give him what I thought he wanted, which was a problem for years for me early on. Um, so. I had a great time there, and I learned a tremendous amount. But uh, but it wasn't until I got to NYU for grad school that that they really called me on my shit. I had yeah. uh, Ron Van Loo, the uh, acting teacher at the time there. The first time I had a one-on-one meeting with him, it's sort of the middle of the semester. You have these meetings with the faculty. Mm-hmm. And we sit down, he doesn't even say hi, and he just says, why do you give such a shit about what I think of you? Yeah. And I said, first of all, excuse me, repeats the question, and I said, well, what are you talking about? I mm. came here to hang on your every word. Yeah. We're dropping tons of cash to be here. Right. Of course I, I'm going to yeah. care what your estimation of me is. Yeah. And he says, then I can't help you. Hmm. And I just, it left me with a huge question mark over my head. Then my second year, I was put on probation at the school for being such a good boy. Hmm. Um, Because they couldn't, they couldn't. What what were you doing exactly? What were you doing? I was giving them what I thought they wanted. So kind of people pleasing? Yeah. 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 And, but, but artistically, you know what I mean? Uh, All that, uh, that sort of, um, 
just the the spark of my own aesthetic and taste that I was starting to build a little bit before I got there and before I got to college, uh, that all got squashed mm-hmm. uh, because I was afraid of of what I sort of uh, relish now, thank God, but uh, of going down in flames mm-hmm. and everybody pointing and laughing and then being, you know, found out that I'm a fraud anyway, I'm no good, whatever it is. You know? yeah. And um, so they said, yeah, you've got to figure this out, man, yeah. or we're going to have to boot you. Mm-hmm. So I, of course, I'm furious. Yeah. I, I'm, how dare they? Are you yeah. kidding me? I bust my ass harder than anybody in this yeah. class. I am working so hard. Yeah. I, and, and still, saying those words out loud, it didn't hit me. Mm-hmm. That was exactly what they were talking about. You are right. working too fucking hard, you know. Um, were you almost, uh, like, were you too rehearsed? Or were you just not taking the, the notes that they gave you? Or were you too I reliant on them? I wasn't available to them or to my cohort, to my classmates. Yeah. Someone, you know, I'd be in a scene with someone, and they would be so alive and yeah. so available to me and giving me so much, but I couldn't receive it, process what my response was, and then authentically give something back to them. I was completely stuck from the neck up. Mm. Everything was coming from my head. Um, so you were like numb. Yeah. 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 So how do you get rid of that? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> uh, in our third year at school, they we still do this there. They uh, There's something called free play where they basically, back then, they'd give you like 50 bucks and a couple weeks to do anything you want to do. Huh. And so a couple, uh, a classmate of mine said, hey, man, you want to do a clown show with me? Yeah. And I said, absolutely not. That sounds like an unbelievable nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and he said, don't be an idiot. Just just do it. And I said, well, yeah, maybe. Let me try and see if I can come up with something else. I couldn't think of anything else. I said, screw it. All right, I'll do your, we'll do your clown thing. Yeah. And um, we got Rain Wilson, of all right. people, who was a few years ahead of us, to direct us. And, uh, you know, he was just a, a guy in the city, uh, you know, working in the city like like anyone who sort of commanded that program. And Michael, Michael Constable, right? Uh, David Constable David and yeah. Michael Dolan. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wow, you, you, you've yeah. done some... That's the blue man, blue man guy, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Michael's yeah. Uh, been a blue man since before we graduated. Yeah. I mean, lifer. Yeah. And it's been great. You know, it's a, been a great life that, that that show has given him. It's amazing for him. Yeah, David Constable, no disrespect. I mean, I love uh, I love that guy, so I've seen him a lot. Uh, and he was in Billions, too, which you were in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Dave's on Billions. Yeah. Uncle Wagsy. He's yeah, great. he's great. He's, he's great. fantastic. On really the show. talented. Yeah. Um, but so Rain knew um, an actress named Gates McFadden mm-hmm. who had gone through the program, and uh, he had done some clown exercises with her. And okay. She, uh, and so he took those exercises, and we did them, and we built a show there, and. Um, and that was like the, the, the seed of something starting to give way, like these old scripts starting to sort of um, get a little harder to read, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that, was the, that was the new Mosena? Yeah, the Cherry, new Mosena. Cherry Lane, right? yeah, 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 exactly. So then, yeah, we did that there, and then we did it off-off-Broadway, and then we did it at the Cherry Lane for a while, and then... Um, yeah, it was like a phoenix out of the ashes, the thing. We thought it would die, you know, at every turn. And then yeah. we, we went out to L.A. and did it and sold it. You know, it had a, a great life, you know. And, um, every once in a while, I'll still show up at a casting director's office and they'll have a poster from it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you were the order, orderly, right? Yeah, so yeah, we yeah, all yeah. had what are called lotsies, which mm. are um, sort of... Uh, uh, bits of uh, physical comedy. Is that kind of like Commedia dell'arte? Yeah, yeah. it's it's born out of, of Commedia, and it's a yeah. it, it means like a sort of a a, a little extended physical uh, comedic uh, interlude, mm. sort of. And um, so, yeah, my my clown uh, his was an accidental heart transplant, mm. um, where he winds up taking a bite out of the heart and <laughs> yeah. licking the heart, and getting yeah. caught in the guts, and getting yeah. strangled by the guy's guts and all that kind of stuff um realistic play yeah completely yeah so but then 
happens to successfully, even after taking a bite out of the heart, he, the heart transplant is successful. So, yeah. um, so it was that that really started to, um, I started to gravitate towards the things that gave me some joy and to develop uh, some taste around that. Mm-hmm. And, and I am so grateful that I didn't just go do some two-hander yeah. instead of uh, doing the thing that actually scared the, the hell out of me, which yeah. is this clown thing, yeah. you know. And so then, you know, uh, Dave Costable went on a number of years later to, he developed uh, Shakespeare's Clowns class at NYU right. grad, and, um, uh, which was just this great thing. And he got to a point where he wanted to to sort of dish it off to someone else. And for three years, he said, come on, take this thing over. And I said, not interested, not interested, not interested. And then I went in, he said, just sit in on one. And I sat in on one of these classes. And I went, Jesus, kid, I mean, he's just on to something. And he, what he had done so brilliantly and beautifully um, was he had distilled this thing that, uh, that, that we had all, I think, communally discovered in our show mm-hmm. and then he you know then we all sort of started taking that into our work outside of that particular show the new cuisine mm-hmm. which was um first a, a, a deep connection to your own personal sense of joy yeah and that connection will almost invariably lead to the assumption of your own brilliance so assumption being twofold the the taking on of your own brilliance and right. also just assuming that you are Brilliant. because yeah, yeah because it doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. and as long as it's not born out of ego no one's getting hurt so so why not you know uh, and that became the foundation the sort of the two pillars of that class and I said Kid, you found it. You put words to it. You you created these exercises for for how to uh, help others dive into that, develop that muscle. So I took over the class and then um, and then added some you know my own stuff to it. And then we moved it to a first year and third year class. So yeah, yeah. So that's kind of how I yeah. um, got to a point of releasing that obligation and sort of uh, breaking my. Yeah, a little halo in half yeah, and exactly. tossing it in the trash. It seems like clowning has changed, right? I mean, that definition. I mean, in Shakespeare's time, clown was not what people think of as like the Ronald McDonald dude. I mean, it was they were often very serious. They often had, um, you know, um, serious roles in his plays. Uh, like Twelfth Night, is, I think, is an example where For you sure. played. I mean, uh, that was in. Um, um, I think Shakespeare wanted to kind of portray the clown as more like a simple, um, you know, simple countryman or, or simple, um, you know, oftentimes serious individual. How did that? How did that kind of change and evolve from the I guess late 1600s to what it is now? Well, you know, originally in 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 the companies that Shakespeare worked with, they would you know there would be actors like Richard Burbage, yeah. who uh, he would just write to their strengths. You know, and if the clown was uh, more of a wit, then he'd write touchstone for them from touchstone from as you like it. And mm-hmm. if they uh, were more of a, uh, a had access to a sort of simple, yeah. uh, you know, uh, quality, then launce would be born. You know, um, mm-hmm. so. So, you know, like with anything, he was, uh, like with any project, you write, you build around your strengths, yeah. and he certainly did that. And then over time, you know, clowning is, there's every, every yeah. community has some sort of, of clown figure, sure. and, you know, those are ancient figures, and uh, so over time, they developed based on, I think, the needs of, of the public, the interests of uh, the artists who were who wanted to explore them, and you know, eventually, circus clowning uh, became uh, uh, a very specific form of clowning. But uh, 
what I personally always gravitate, gravitated more toward was, uh, you know, a, an aesthetic where, um, you know, theater clowning. But if you want to, if you want to uh, look at uh, film versions of that, you know, uh, sort of a, a vaudevillian base mm -hmm. to these clowns. Yeah. So you've got Butch Keaton, yeah. Chaplin, yeah. all those guys, Laurel and Hardy. You know, that that world. Um, I I had always uh, I'd always loved. I grew up watching all those movies. Oh wow! Um, so uh, I was you know a huge Marx Brothers fan. Yeah. Uh, when my wife and I were looking for venues for our wedding, we found a place out in Pennsylvania, and uh, the woman said, you know, this place a lot of folks used to come uh, stay for a weekend mm -hmm. here with the the family who owned the house, and uh, we're like, oh great, who used to come here? Oh. Greta Garbo was here and blah, 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 great, whatever. Yeah. Then the woman said, uh, uh, Groucho oh, wow. used to come here on a regular basis. Mm. And I was like, done, we're yeah. done. Yeah. If there's a chance that the ghost of Groucho is going to be <laughs> yeah. at my wedding, yeah. uh, we're going, we're, this, we're, this is where we're doing it. But anyway, so I was obsessed with those. What about Three folks. Stooges? Do you like them? I loved them as a yeah. kid. Yeah. And I certainly, I, the timing, it looks... Um, you know, it, it's easy to dismiss, but yeah. the timing of their physical comedy is, it's like a Swiss clock. Yeah. You know, they're amazing. Um, so those are the folks that I grav gravitated towards. And those are the, uh, um, you know, there's there's a lot of emotional risk for mm -hmm. those characters in, in the films that they made. Yeah. And I always loved that that element was there as well as the physical risk that was always happening too. So you you work with um, you know David, Michael, Rain, and then it comes out to L.A. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? <laughs> so we uh, we sold it to Fox, yeah. and they wanted they ordered a uh, when you when you sell a property they buy the property then they decide whether they want to make a script order then they decide whether they want to make a pilot mm -hmm. after that. So they bought the property, and then they, they made a script order, but they weren't sure about the script. I mean, it, we literally were like red-nosed clowns yeah. on fucking Fox TV. Yeah. You know, and this was the height of The Simpsons and stuff. So if we were going to go anywhere, it was there. Um, but uh, so we do this pilot presentation, which right. is where... You know, you you write a, a truncated version of the script and you put it up in, on a soundstage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not filmed. It's you know in front of a live audience, and which is just a terrible idea <laughs> for a TV yeah. show because yeah. you want to you want to watch it in the manner you're going to watch it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So uh, the head of Fox came, saw it, and uh, <laughs> and. Um, we were at a Mexican restaurant afterward, getting uh, suitably hammered yeah. because we were uh, we didn't know what was going to happen, yeah. and we had put a lot of time and energy into trying to get to this place with sure, the show. Yeah. And our manager calls and says, "Hey, I got to talk to you guys." And we're like, "Okay, well, it's really loud in here." Yeah. We go outside. So we hear the sound of like. <laughs> Like uh, it, it was so many sirens yeah. and so loud. We, it, it turns out uh, the bomb squad was <laughs> driving past us with uh, guys hanging on the outside of this truck. You know the trucks where they like drop yeah. the bomb and yeah. blow it up in there. Uh -huh. It was one of those. The only time in my life I've ever seen one of these things. These guys are hanging off the thing, running somewhere to yeah. find a bomb that's near near enough to us. Right. And in that moment, in unison, we all went, fuck, yeah. we're screwed. And then they said, wait, we can't hear you, we can't hear you. And our <laughs> manager said, what was that? Whatever, don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, anyway, guys, I, I've got bad news. It's not, uh, they it's loved not it. Go. It's yeah. just not for Fox. And, and that was it, yeah. you know. Um, so we've, you know, played with it and uh, sort of toyed with resurrecting in a number of ways since. But that was the closest the show came to having a life um, on the television set. 
So do you kind of move to the move to do more theater afterwards or do you kind of start breaking into TV and film? Well, uh, you know, Rain went off and became Rain. Yeah. And um, uh, which was phenomenal. And uh, he stayed out there. Uh, we came we all came back and. Yeah, that was a that was a, a pretty low point for everybody. Hmm. Because uh, we really thought that that was going to be, you know, it's it, having the agency to create your own thing is such a gift yeah. um, and such a privilege. And we had that for a while, and then um, it it took the wind out of our sails for a bit. Not uh, not having that not right. come to the to the stage, mm-hmm. sort of come to fruition in the way we wanted it to. Uh-huh. So we went off and started doing, you know, Michael went back to Blue Man. Um, I was doing plays and picking up TV work uh, where I could. Yeah. Dave was doing every commercial uh, on TV because he's wow. got amazing uh, hair and <laughs> sick timing. Yeah. Um, and he would have this big sort of poofy hair. And he was just, he was selling every absolutely everything wow. on TV, which is great. But then couldn't get arrested for a little while on TV mm. uh, in... Uh, legit stuff legit not you know that's what you call anything that is a like good a, a scripted project oh yeah yeah so it does not imply good <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just that's what yeah, like it's a industry. real thing yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so legit as opposed to like a commercial project yeah yeah um so uh but then he started to book and you know i had a I, i've always been very grateful for the the career that i've built here and yeah. that's always been for me here Thank God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so then we start. Everybody starts trying to sort of build their own thing again. Yeah. You know, and we did it on our own, and and never really came back to uh, trying to put that show together again in in real earnest. And we had some very generous people approach us and say, "Hey, I'd like to I'd like to pick this up where you left off." Yeah. And. Um, <clears throat> And we never really sort of uh, got it together to to achieve liftoff again in the way that we had before. But then, I mean, you were working in uh, theater a lot too, yeah. right? I mean, you were in that Everett Beacon play. You did a lot of regional theater. You did mm-hmm. stuff, um, you know, off Broadway, on Broadway. I mean, in terms of those experiences, was there one that kind of sticks out as being somewhat? Um, I don't know if formative is the right word, but just something that kind of allowed you to channel your energy and, and get behind and, and something that you felt really passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I uh, so many, and I've been so fortunate be, uh, in that regard. A while back, uh, I auditioned for uh, a production of Boys in the Band with mm. a company called uh, Transport Group, which mm. is run by a director named, uh, artistic director and director named uh, Jack Cummings III. Okay. And Jack, I'll say it right here, Jack, if you ever hear this, uh, just one of the greatest directors on the planet in my experience because Jack... Uh, is not afraid to uh, fail. Yeah. Good? No, we're good. Yeah. Uh, he's not afraid to fail. And he will put something out there that uh, is incredibly risky. We did this production of Boys in the Band, and um, uh, this is a, a play uh, that was written in the 60s that was a, a, you know one of the, the first gay-themed plays that really explored um, uh, sort of uh, gay life behind the curtain back mm. then, you know. Gotcha. Um, sort of tried to peel back the curtain on, on, on these folks who were fo- forced into that space by the rest of society. Yeah. So um, he it's set in an apartment and we it was a, a sort of site-specific piece and he rented out a, a, a big room um, downtown and we built an apartment in this place and it looked just like an apartment and the audience was all around us and it could have just gone horribly but it didn't hmm. uh, but the beauty of it was that 
I feel like either way would have been fine with Jack because he was doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, Jack did a production of I Remember Mama, maybe this is five years ago, mm-hmm. where the entire cast uh, was um, uh, women uh, in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And just that lens, yeah. obviously, is going to change everything, but it it illuminated this piece in such a, a, a profound way uh, that I, it just completely wrecked me. And he does these things all the time. So when I did that production with Jack, I really felt like uh, I found a friend and um, and um, you know someone who shared the same aesthetic that I did, which was uh, let's let's really risk um, having this thing just uh, become wreckage, and we'll swing for the fences, and it'll either you know, we'll either hit it out or we'll just have a ton of yoke on our face. Yeah. But either one, it's fine. Yeah. You know. How do you feel about, because um, you've also done a lot of, you know, work in television. And I mean, I often, uh, often see you in, you know, having these arcs like on Damages and also, uh, you know, Billions and other shows as well. I mean, how do you, how does that feel coming into something more um, established already where maybe a season or two has already gone by? The you know um, principal cast has kind of had a, a chance to develop some camaraderie and chemistry you know on and off set. So like how does that feel? Like say uh, billions for instance. Um, you know you're working with Malin Ackerman and Damian Lewis. Um, you're playing that detective right and Malin's brother. So how does that how does that kind of unfold? Um, do you feel like you're welcomed right away on set? And that how how hard is it to kind of set up a, a character when? you know that these other um, actors have kind of established their own? Like, how do you how do you do that when you have to play an arc for, you know, several episodes? Yeah, uh, the vast majority of actors I find are, are very welcoming, you know, and uh, their days are long. Yeah. And if, if you bring something to the table that isn't just good work, if it's something that's maybe in between takes too, that goes a long way, you know, and I think if you're just uh, an authentic person who's interested in them, like with anybody, they'll be interested in you. I'm speaking about them as if they're behind glass or something, yeah. but, you know, uh, I don't mean that at all. I just mean someone who's a series regular. Right, right. They just, they just want to get through the day yeah. uh, and do the best work they can and have you do your best work so they can do their best work and vice versa. But, you know, if you like to to have fun while you're doing it, that's going to go a long way too. So yeah. I feel like if you can uh, just be relaxed in that way and enjoy yourself in on a set, everyone else is going to enjoy being around you as well. Yeah. You know, and then you know if you can show up and show that you've maybe got some chops, you know, and and try to to really nail the first second take of something. Um, or at least nail your coverage, then everybody breathes a little more easily. And when you move on to the next setup, everybody gets much more excited about having you there, you know, because they don't know, they weren't in on the casting process. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, A, I think it's, it's in general, I tend to think people are pretty nice uh, Sometimes, anyway. yeah. 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 Uh, and I actually really, I really like actors. Yeah. Um, and uh, so my experience has always been um, one in which I've been pretty welcomed. But then also, you know, you've got to show up and do your work and make sure that they know that you are there to, to, to do that and kind of kick a little ass. And if, yeah. If you do that, then everybody gets a little excited. Yeah. No, when I was at uh, when I was at Duke, I remember I went to the I don't know if you ever went to the Silver Spoon Theater. It's kind of near Chapel Hill I in the territory, did. right? But we went um, and it was for uh, the John Wick Two movie. Oh yeah. And right before it came on, I think it was the second season of Billions. That trailer came on, and I had a bunch of Indian friends. They were like Billions, Billions, and they were like so into it. So that show definitely crossed a lot of barriers and I think that writing is so tight like that Andrew Ross Sorkin yeah. I guess you know I always um, mix him up with uh, Aaron but, but yeah, they're right. different they're because different. they both write in this pattern 
it's almost like um, listening to an album. Like you can just hear the pattern, you know, on the record. Yeah. Uh, so how do, how how impactful is that? Like how conscious of you are, you know, of the writer and the director when you're kind of you have to put this part together and um, you know kind of kill it, as you say. Well, I mean, t- you know, to be totally honest, it's you know you go through the audition process and um, and when you do that, you put everything you pour everything you can into that audition, and then you just let it go, mm-hmm. and you're on to the next thing. Yeah. And then if you get a call, they say, hey, they really liked you. They want you to come do this thing. Fantastic. That's yeah. just great, um, because frankly, it's really fun, you know. Um, but in terms of choosing TV projects, that's, that's, I'm not at that point in my career. Um, I can say no to something preemptively and I do, I do do that, um, uh, with some regularity, but, uh, but if I go in for something and I like it, uh, that's because I, you know, I like the love the script, like the sides, and also Dave, my friend, was on that show, um, so I've been watching it, loved him, mm. loved the show. I mean, the cast is off the charts, and so when I got that little arc, couldn't have been happier, yeah. you know. And Damien Lewis um, was just a, a monster of a good actor, and yeah. so. The fact that some of my stuff was with him was just a blast. And, and Ackerman, too, right? Yeah, I mean, she was just so generous and so warm and so welcoming. And then the minute uh, you start rolling, you know, she wants to go toe-to-toe, which was just great, you know. Mullen um, is just a, was lovely. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I, I, get to, uh, I get to a point in those situations where... A, I'm just I'm so grateful that I get to do what I love to do, yeah. and that becomes a bit of a, you know, that pulls me through the whole experience. I can't help it. That's just sort of what I lead with, and and when that's the case, you know, I think other people pick up on on that. Yeah, that you're happy to be there, and if you're happy to be there, other people are. And I, you know, I tend to keep my head down and try to kind of knock something out of the park yeah. and uh, and don't make a big deal out of much of anything. If I get a note, I try to nail the note. If I have a question, I ask the director and then get the answer and then try to crush that. Mm-hmm. You know? um, how is uh, Glenn Close to work with? Lovely. I mean, she was so, so really, really sweet. We did, uh, I remember one day, um, we were shooting one thing. Uh, so, uh, Glenn Kessler, that, that show was created by some NYU guys. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the Kessler brothers, Glenn and Oh, Todd what a Kessler. great show. Tremendous yeah, show. Amazing. I really miss it. Yeah. And uh, Daniel Zellman, who was two years ahead of us at school. Mm. Um, and they created that show. Just brilliant. And, uh, and to cast her and to cast um, Ted Danson yeah. as a. Frobisher character was just Against amazing completely yeah. and he was just I mean he was just having the time of his life and you couldn't mm-hmm. help but but have you know that same experience share that experience with him when you're watching him but um, I, I remember one day I was uh, I did something with her and I was tight and uh, mm-hmm. in the scene and she looked at me for a long time in between takes, and I said, what? <laughs> and she said, you're better than you think you are. Wow. And I said, we've done two takes. <laughs> How do you know that? Yeah. She goes, I just do. So just, you know, and kind of waved her hand, like, just be better. Yeah. You know, be as good as I think you are. Try that, you know, basically. And it was the greatest thing. It was so hmm. generous. Because um, it freed you up a little bit? Yeah, completely. I went, well, shit, if she, yeah. if she thinks that I ought to be here, then sense. I ought to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, If number one or two or whatever on the call sheet is, is okay with me being here, then I, I ought to be too. And I, I, I ought to do my job. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah. do what I can do. Well, as we wrap up, I mean, we can't we can't leave without talking about uh, the Mommy Blogger Show because it's, uh, oh, it's so incredible. And then C.J. Wilson, man. Oh, oh C.J. is a genius. Did you see that demolition with uh, Hall and? I did not. Yeah, but he had a great part in that, right? He played uh, Wat- Naomi Watts's uh, uh, sort of boyfriend. Boyfriend. That's just trying to yeah. get rid of a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, you got to see that, man. It's incredible. I will. Yeah. C.J. is the nicest man in show business. <laughs> yeah. So obscenely talented. Yeah. It's ridiculous. He he got out of out of his uh, training just right before I did. So mm-hmm. I've done readings with him and you know um hung out with him and then got to do that with him that show is created by um trisha peluccio Mm -hmm. who is this wonderful writer and creative person and and actor and her husband gabriel barry who's a phenomenal director um and so she you know there's this whole world um down in utah of these mommy bloggers. I lived in Utah for a like, Oh, you did? Yeah, that's where I went to high school and stuff, oh. yeah, yeah. So do you know about these folks? No. So a, a lot of these folks uh, are living off of the, the revenue and um, sort of endorsements wow. that they get from these blogs, okay. and it becomes a, a full-time business. So she thought, she, she sort of stumbled on this thing and thought that it would be uh, a a fun idea to create a show around someone who uh, wants that desperately <laughs> yeah. and is just a train wreck yeah. of a human being yeah. um, and that nothing in her life is going as well uh, as she wants it to and certainly does not look the way that these gorgeous <laughs> yeah. blogged lives look. Um, I don't think they drink mushroom tea, do they? I mean, no. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so it was a brilliant idea and uh, Trisha and I did... Uh, a law and order together when we were both just sort of starting out and is um, that something that every kind of New York actor like strives to do when they're kind of I mean I feel like uh, if you definitely uh, want your want to get your law and order and then for a good while it was I want to get my good wife oh Um, and then um, and now we got law law and order back again so now there's a whole new crop of folks will yeah. hopefully get their uh, get yeah. their episode yeah. um, but so you know and we had sort of um, seen each paths. other over the years yeah. cross paths and then she said you want to do this thing uh, I said absolutely she sent me a script uh, by this guy Eric Pfeffinger who is just a brilliant comedic writer mm-hmm. playwright uh, writer uh, for TV and um, and I laughed my ass off yeah. and uh, so she shot it in this sort of ridiculous cinema verite sort of style, yeah. talking heads and the whole thing, yeah. and and it was great. It yeah. was so much fun to do, and she's hilarious, and yeah. you know, and yeah. she gave me free reign to just sort of screw around, which was great. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, how um, were you guys pr- improvising quite a bit on that, or was it kind of? We tried to stick stick to the script, and then uh, we do at least uh, make sure we got one that was that was the script, and then always room for for a little screwing around and you you still keep in touch with um like david and and rain and those guys oh yeah yeah all the time talk to those guys all the time um michael i owe a call for sure but uh dave and i talk all the time rain and i talk all the time and yeah i mean all three of those guys are uh three of my closest friends on the planet you know so uh, yeah, very, very close, thankfully. That's great, man. Well, it's really cool to see, um, kind of, again, going back to that longevity and then also about your um, sort of selection process, when you say no, when you say yes, and then also, you know, all that interplay of um, the collaboration on set. I mean, I think that's really interesting. It was great, you know, talking with you, and I really love, um, you know, all your work that I've seen, and I think it's great that, um, I think the clowning thing is really interesting. Like, that's something that I wasn't as familiar with, but I think, um, you know, the Tisch students are definitely getting a treat, you know, having you as a professor. So thanks so much for doing this. And I, I really appreciate it. I so appreciate the opportunity. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for, for doing so much research and digging so oh, deep. Fun, and yeah. I had a blast. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Thanks.